from the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. We celebrate Mother's Day this Sunday with warm appreciation for all the women who are mothers, physically or spiritually bearing, nurturing, or loving children. On today's show, the Register's Elisa Murphy talks to Lisa Wheeler about entering motherhood through fostering and adopting children. And then we talk about the special role of women in bringing children to Christ with feature writer Lindsay Wisher. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host of Register Radio. I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen in Washington, D.C., who's my co-host here on Register Radio. The month of May is so special in a myriad of ways. While we give special attention to St. Joseph the Worker on May 1st, the entire month is spent dedicated to Mary, which of course makes a great month to appreciate mothers who can find in the Blessed Mother a perfect model. This month is also dedicated to foster care and adoption awareness. The Register's Elisa Murphy spoke to Lisa Wheeler about adoption and how foster care and adoption should be the center of the pro-life movement. We are thrilled to have the one and only Lisa Wheeler with us. Many know Lisa from her amazing PR company, Carmel Communications, that does such great, wonderful work featuring Catholic movies and books, apostolates and more. Really, many of our fine guests on EWTN Radio come from uh, the many connections you have, your prowess, I would say, Lisa. (laughs) You know, Lisa, uh, first, Happy Mother's Day. We are approaching Mother's Day this weekend. We wanted to learn more about another wonderful impact you're making on countless children in the foster care system. As a foster care mother, I believe you may have fostered now up to 15 children. Is that right? And some leading to adoption? Yes. First of all, thank you for having me on Register Radio. It's an honor to kind of be in this seat. I'm usually behind the scenes. So um, it's a fun, a fun switch up. Uh, But yes, my husband and I over the last decade, including the children we've adopted out of foster care, we've fostered, it's around 20, 20, 20 children during that time period. So five have become a permanent part of our family. And then we fostered children in various stages of care. And that number is, is 15. So sometimes we did respite, which was only for you know, a couple of days or a weekend, you know, maybe a week to help other uh, foster parents get a break or some of our our uh, fostering experience has been for longer, like two years before children were able to either be reunified with their families of origin um, or had went on to live with relatives um, or other caretakers um, for their forever home. I think that's an aspect of foster care. People don't realize a lot of people don't see that there is actually children that, you know, there's half a million children languishing right now in the foster care system. Adoption and foster care seem to have a Christian ethos. I have a friend that adopted from China, and she said when she was walking through the streets, these Chinese women would just walk up to her and say, Christian, you're Christian? Almost it was seen as a language of love. Absolutely. I mean, I think at the heart of adoption is really, it's a reflection of our father's you know, love for us. I mean, we hear biblically quite frequently that we are, you know, the adopted sons and daughters of the father. And so the idea of adoption is very much part of our 
kind of our, our, our spiritual core, you know, to, to, to know that we have the capacity to love and be loved by, you know, someone that is not biologically, you know, related to us. I mean, and that's really a very beautiful thing. And we also know that, you know, the scripture also tells us in James 1.27 that true religion is one that cares for the widow and the orphan. And so there's really, you know, even a biblical command to, you know, every Christian that, you know, living out our, um, our mandate as you know people of god is looking to the vulnerable you know looking to those in our community in how we can serve as a reflection god's love for us you know how can we demonstrate how much we are loved by the father in how we love others even when 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 they're when it's challenging you know I've, i'm a mom to five children who are not my biological children. I, they're not, I, I don't share DNA with them. I certainly don't share history and, you know, a family tree, you know, with them. And some of that, you know, the absence of, of that bond brings challenges, you know, it has challenges that, that, that come with that. And, but the beauty in bringing together a family that comes from brokenness mm -hmm. um, is really a reflection of the Christian story. You know, it really is, you know, we all are, are traveling, you know, a broken road in, an, in a lot of ways with our eventual destination, you know, being, you know, to be with our father in heaven. That language that that all of us crave and that we desire and need. I have one child and we're hoping to have more, but I mean, there's so many challenges in being a mother. And then when you think about being a child and how hard it is to be a child and to go through life without a mother, without a father, what have, what have you learned in building these relationships specifically with your foster children? Every child is unique in, you know, how they are processing kind of their own stories. I think that's that's one thing that is important, you know, for anyone that that works with children that are in the foster care system, whether it be as a foster parent or even as a, you know, a mentor, um, is that each child, you know, has their own individual story and they and their own personality and temperament and way that they are going to deal with the experiences that they've had. So each child that we have had that have be, that have been a part of our family, whether for a short period of time or, um, you know, for the children that are are now, you know, part of our family forever, we have to come to them and approach them in the love and care that reflects their own journey. You know how they're how they're they're journeying through their experience. What's most important is to listen and to and not judge the um, the situation or the circumstance that brought them into care, um, not to expect that they're not, that they're going to forget or not want to be a part of the lives of their families of origin, because, you know, that's something that is with them forever, you know, that they're, because it is part of their story. There's always such a vulnerability with all of us growing up. And, and that's why I think foster care and adoption, it's, it is such an integral part of the pro-life movement. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just it's just such a sad tragedy that foster care gets such a bad rap. Yes. Why do you think that is? You know, I I think it's such a great question. Um, and it's one that I I'm constantly reflecting on and and challenging myself to explore more and, and seeking the answers to. I think that Adoption in a lot of ways gets the same. It's sort of a taboo topic even today as well, even though, you know, I'm sure you and I both could point to, you know, friends who have become, you know, parents through adoption. But I think both foster care and adoption, you know, kind of take on this stigma of difficulty because we don't talk enough about it. You used, you know, the the talking about it in the in the context of pro-life. It's like one of the things that I think has been most frustrating to me in uh, being a foster parent has been the way that we don't incorporate discussion in our churches within the context of the pro-life discourse as much as we should. You know, I and especially in the situation that we're living in right now, where we have, you know, Roe v. Wade that's been overturned. Um, we know that there are many states across the country that it is not possible to get an abortion any longer. And so you look at those states and you think to yourself, knowing what we know about foster care and why children end up, you know, in the foster care system, you wonder why there isn't more being done to connect the pro-life community to journeying with foster children, foster families, helping, you know, biological families that are in crisis in which their children often end up in the foster care system, journeying with those families to help provide, you know, resources and accompaniment and support and mentorship so that they can build a strong foundation Um, for themselves so that their children don't end up, you know, in the foster care system. I just think that there's a, there's just really a disconnect that we have got to try to figure out how to solve um, so that just as easy as it is for us to talk about, you know, protecting life in the womb, protecting the lives of these young people that are already here and that we have a duty to do that um, in whatever way you know, God's calling us, you know, to, to stand in the gap. Yeah. Cause it does seem like a gaping wound really when you think about it. And it is such a unique time as we live in a post-world world and you penned a beautiful heartfelt piece years ago now back for Fox. <laughs> and this was pre Dobbs where we're in the state now, but you wrote, you wrote, we choose abortion in this country, not because it's a right we are owed as women. We choose abortion because we have forgotten how to love. Mm-hmm. And you hear countless comments about reproductive justice. But at the heart of this wound in our society is really a lack of love, really indifference. You know, what other advice do you have for us as we move further into this post-war world, given all you know about the foster care system? Well, I think that's, I mean, I I still believe that that's the heart of it right there. I just, I, I believe that, and, and you see it in so many other ways in our culture, right? Um, with how we talk to one another, you know, how we disregard one another's opinions, how we fail to communicate with one another in the way that we should. I mean, at, at the heart of that, I think, is that we really, as a culture, have forgotten, you know, how to love one another in the way that we should. 
in the way that God loves us. You know, again, going back to the beginning of, you know, beginning of our conversation is that parenting these children, mentoring these children, providing resources to these children is, should be a reflection of our father's love for us, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to engage ourselves more in that conversation of love in everything that we do. You have a really unique whole life approach, you know, to foster care. And I was speaking recently to Christophonic and he told me this cool story about how there's a convalescent home in Haiti that basically connected with an orphanage, a modern day orphanage, and all these budding relationships are happening because there's these hmm. mutually symbiotic places yeah. where people need community and they need support. And Lisa, I really wish we had more time today. Uh, but unfortunately, we're just out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. We're so happy to have Lisa Wheeler with us of Carmel Communications. Lisa, do you have a website specifically for any of your foster care outreach or should people just go to Carmel Communications? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a passion of my heart, but it's not translated into, you know, an initiative with everything else that I'm doing. So yes, Carmel Communications is the best way to reach out to me. Wonderful. Lisa, well, happy Mother's Day to you and thank you again for your time. We hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Same to you, Alyssa. When we come back, Register Features writer Lindsay Wisher brings us in insights from five women who are mothers, from those who have physically birthed children to those who have spiritual sons and daughters. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned. If you need your news on the go, read the Register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the Register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen, here on Register Radio. Matthew, we are talking to a new face today, um, someone we haven't had on Register Radio, which is always quite fun. That's it Lindsay is. Wisher. I'll bring her on in a second, but first, you know, we've been reflecting on motherhood. Motherhood has many faces, as I was talking about in the beginning of the show. Some are physical moms, others are spiritual mothers, and others would call themselves both spiritual and, and physical moms, right? They've birthed children, but they have many spiritual children as well. Um, but so many women can draw on the Blessed Mother as an example, um, as a support <laughs> Um, for their role as women and as mothers. Uh, and our writer, uh, Lindsay Wisher, uh, has tapped a handful of women to share their journey of motherhood and the wisdom um, they have, have found along the way. Uh, so Lindsay is a poet and a writer. Uh, she holds a master's from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. 
Uh, and she has written for a variety of outlets, including Verily magazine. Um, she has a, voc uh, a column called My Vocation is Love at the Ca Catholic Post in her home diocese of Peoria, Illinois. Um, and she is now living in Kansas City where she works at Donnelly College. And she's recently writing features for us. And so, Lindsay, welcome to Register Radio. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. So as I, as I mentioned, you've spoken to a handful of women. You spoke to five women about their motherhood. Uh, there's a lot of women to choose from. So why did you choose these five women? Uh, let's talk about who you spoke to. Yeah, I was trying to think of just encompassing people in different places and with different experiences. And part of the article was also trying to capture different parts of motherhood, women at the beginning of maybe their their physical motherhood journey, women who are grandmothers, women who are spiritual mothers through religious life. So each of the women are special. Um, Erica is um, the new mom in the feature, and um, she's actually one of my colleagues at Donnelly. Um, her little daughter, Jacinta, was born in November of 2022, so very, very new mom. Um, mm -hmm. Then Susan is someone from my home diocese of Peoria, Illinois, and like me, she's a writer and just has had um, both the journey of adoption and um, of losing a child um, mm. and she shared that with me and then Sister Bernadette was actually someone I knew during my time as a college student at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign and she was um, definitely a spiritual mom to me there. I encountered her again many years down the road at uh, the Given Institute back in 2021, um, one of uh, the Given Institute's forums that they do every so often, and Sister was there to serve at, at that time. And so it was beautiful to meet her. The other two women, Debbie Herbeck and Heather Kim, are uh, people I don't know personally, but have come to know through through their various ministries. Um, Heather is, of course, a part of the Abiding Together podcast. And really interestingly, I was introduced to Heather by um, a mom friend of mine who was going through um, the first trimester of her pregnancy and really struggling during that time, but was listening to the Abiding Together podcast. So it was neat kind of having that connection. Sure. And actually, I think it was through the Abiding Together podcast that I heard um, about Debbie um, Herbeck. So, um, and Debbie has a wonderful um, uh, organization called uh, Be the Love Revolution. And um, yeah, it's a ministry that um, helps young women know the personal love of Jesus. So there's it's been so, beautiful to know yeah, each of them. Yeah, there's so much I could follow up on in this, and and one one thing is indeed the power of women influencers, right, in our own lives. I mean, so many of these mm -hmm. women that you have highlighted here were people you met along the way in your own mm -hmm. path, right, who made an mm -hmm. impact in terms of their mothering. Um, so I yeah. think I, I highlight that because that's really beautiful that these were people you decided to speak to because you knew them and were impacted by their motherhood. And then you mentioned mm -hmm. two ministries. 
right? And those ministries mm-hmm. reach, um, and I would say in some way, mother many women, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and um, are a light um, for many women and a, a support for many women. You mentioned given. I'm not sure that everybody yes. knows what that is. Can you describe what given is? Yes, it's a beautiful organization that exists to help women activate their gifts for the church. It's been such a light in my life. Really, it calls together women, usually for a series of a few days. And when you apply, you can take various tracks. So whether you're um, discerning religious life or you're working in um, fields that are not related to the church, all of these are encompassed. I actually entered on the artistic track, um, loving to write. Um, and my everybody's goal there is to come up with an action plan that can put our gifts into action to, to serve the church in some way. So from that time, I was able to create a retreat for artists in my home parish back in Illinois. And that was really, wow. really fruitful. Absolutely. So I really recommend it to women. I'm going to highlight that um, for our listeners. Giveninstitute.com. G-I-V-E-N-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E.com. This is the Given Institute, and it's a way of empowering young women um, uh, through Catholic teaching and and Catholic inspiration uh, to go out and to serve the world. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's a wonderful ministry. The Register has highlighted it before, but I don't think we've talked about it here on Register Radio. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm going to let Matthew Bunsen jump in now. I've been talking too much. Yeah, Lindsay, I, I've uh, been struck by your writing that uh, you focus so keenly on the dignity of womanhood, of motherhood, both physical and spiritual, but you also make it very clear that a lot of your impetus comes from St. John Paul II uh, in his work. Mm-hmm. You reference, for example, Moliere's Dignitatum. What can you share with us from his immense wisdom on motherhood? Thank you for asking. I was just looking at um, a letter that he wrote to, um, well, his letter to women, and I was just struck. And in my life, just that term, the feminine genius, has been a really kind of like a resounding echo. Um, And he says in this letter, the life of the church in the third millennium will certainly not be lacking in new and surprising manifestations of the feminine genius. And so we were just talking of, of given, for example, and just all of these ministries that are really working to cultivate that feminine genius to say, wow, there is beauty and there is dignity and there is just this glory in in everything that women are and what they can do in a culture where it's very easy to dispose of people or forget that there are actual people around us because Mm -hmm. of, you know, all the distractions of our um, digital world. It's such a needed message. And so, yeah, I think I write about that a lot because I need to keep hearing it Absolutely. I think that's that's beautiful. And I love that you anchored uh, your introduction to this piece in Mulieris Dignitatum. And, and mm-hmm. he just writes that motherhood, Pope John Paul II writes, motherhood concerns the whole person. And you start mm-hmm. with that quote. And then, of course, the five people you talk to um, 
all had something to say about Our Lady. <laughs> and you asked questions yeah. about um, your favorite image, you know, what, what is your favorite image or title, um, so that they could have in their minds who it is they relate to an image. And you're an, a poet and, and a writer. You like cr- creative writing. And, you know, you mm-hmm. know the po- power of an image in your mind. What did they have to say about um, modeling their lives after Mary? I was really struck um, by something that actually didn't make it into this piece, just because it would have been a really long piece if we had covered everything they said. But um, Heather Kim shared this quote by Edith Stein, that the woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. And that was a theme that seemed to go throughout this piece, that each of the women kind of found themselves being able to rest in Mary, whether that was being walked with alongside Mary during a difficult time, or being able to find themselves, you know, at the foot of the cross during something that was very painful. Debbie Herbeck's, one of her responses, she said that Mary made the church a home. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just very, very touched by the intimacy each of these women have with Mary. They, they seem to know her well and to, to walk with her um, as a mother. Right. You, you use a great word, intimacy. Women need intimacy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we all do, but women in a special way. And, and even with each other, we, l- we have girlfriends, right? <laughs> um, yeah. and, and we need them. I, wanna, I, can't, I can't close this show without talking about spiritual motherhood. You shared with me that you yourself um, are not yet a physical mother, but you're a spiritual mother. You talked to Sister Bernadette, who obviously is a, is a religious sister, so that's her, her spiritual motherhood. But you talked to everyone about bringing others to Christ, their children, so to speak, their ch- spiritual children to Christ. How do you do that, and, uh, and how have others done it? Mm. For me right now, I think it's through writing. Um, I find it to be a place where I can play, like with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I do believe that um, both Christ and also through Christ Mary is present in in what I write. I think that's a that's a main way. Mary is really present with me after every Mass. Um, she's. Um, I try to pray the Memorare at the end of each Mass, and that's also a way I recall her each day. I, I have the privilege of being a godmother to two, two lovely children, yeah, Jane and Miles, and both of them I try to remember to pray for at Mass. So I think being a spiritual mother is a call to prayer and a call to be aware of how I can touch others with the work I do, with the work that I'm given right now. Absolutely. And I I do think walking with those who we encounter um, in their sorrows, right? As Mother uh, Mary walked with her son throughout his ministry is is part Mm -hmm. of what we do. Lindsay's story can be found at ncregister.com at the National Catholic Register. It's titled, Hail Mary, Full of Grace, Moms Reveal What the Image of the Blessed Mother Means in Raising Kids to Know Christ. Thank you for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer, Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello. Until next week, God bless you.